The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. <laughs> His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Thanks so much, Darlene. Well, the NBA All-Star Game is in our rearview mirror, which means the second half of the campaign is slowly upon us. But before we get to all that, coming up on today's show, we're talking a little NBA All-Star. We're also talking about a year later, what the NBA looks like after its first COVID strike. And then we also, auto have a very, very special guest. We're not going to say the name of this guest, but we're just going to leave it for the end of the show. But before we get to all that, how's it going, my man? Oh, I'm doing well. You definitely have to te- you definitely have to tease that. Don't, don't some get- would say it's the biggest guest we've ever had. Oh, without a doubt. And without the most digital savvy guest we've ever had. Oh, pers- we, we will get into all of that. We're going to keep people waiting for these uh, 30 minutes or so. But um, so All-Star Game, what'd you think? Well, before we even get to the All-Star Game, yeah. can, can, can I vent on something real quick? why wouldn't you be able to go ahead? So this is a basketball show and everything relates to basketball in some way, shape or form. And you follow this a little bit because you know, you follow what's going on in the DC area. My, my Jayhawks man just cannot get anything <laughs> right. Cannot get anything right. I, I sit there today. I watch the athletic director, you know, talk about the things that the school is going through as they try and make this football coach. And I'm just like, this is my life, man. I'm thankful we have a competent Hall of Fame basketball coach because everything else that's happening with that athletic department right now is a sham, Look, and it's big, tough to watch. Oh, well, I, I I I hear you, but the Big Twelve is about to about to throw it up. They got they got my guys TCU going tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow evening, and then your guys will go the next day. And I'm sure that you'll be playing in a final, and you're gonna have nothing but nothing but wonderful things happening with you with this uh, NCAA tournament coming up. So I I hope so. I hope so. Cause I was really excited to watch Joel Embiid in the all-star game. We didn't get that. (laughs) We didn't get to see that happen because for some reason, Otto, and tell me this, this also happened with the super bowl. What's up with these barbers, man. These barbers (laughs) need to be getting COVID tested. They're out here cutting everybody's hair, making sure everyone looks fresh for their games. And yet they're the ones popping positives, putting these players at risks. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You want to watch the barber you know, <laughs> or whoever is the, uh, the, 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 the follicle, uh, uh, doctor as it were, but yeah, you definitely gotta, you know, what, what do they say? You know, strong is the weakest link, right? Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I felt like we were in some ways, I felt like we were gypped a little bit with all-star, but in other ways it felt like they, they, they did what they had to do to get a product out there. And, okay, uh, so, yeah. so so let's start there. Where, where did you feel like um, they were missing some pieces or missing some points? Well, I felt like just to, to just to, to kind of deconstruct Sunday night, I felt like halftime having the dunk contest at halftime 
just took way too long for, for what it was. So as opposed to like a performance or something like what we've seen in the past? As opposed to, as opposed to like, instead of making one guy, yeah, three guys. And then like, it's like that, it's like that, you know, duck, duck, goose game when you get down to two, (laughs) just, just just make it two, just go head to head, you know, just something, something along those lines. Um, You know, I thought there were kind of a missed, some missed opportunities every year. There's like the theme dunk. I thought, I thought for sure someone was going to either dunk a ball that looked like coronavirus, you know, or someone was going to dunk with a mask on. Or best, someone was gonna dunk and get the COVID shot while in the air. Ooh. That would have been badass. Like a drone, like a drone would have been doing it as he was going up, and then just giving him that shot. I, I don't know how it happens. I just know that that would have been cool if it had if it had happened. Oh man, there's definitely ways we could have made that happen. Now tell me, is that not a fifty? I mean, that, that sounds like a fifty to me. I, I mean, unless you're Dwayne Wade, then you're probably scoring that. Oh, see. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, right, right, right. Because yeah. everybody else in the panel would give that a 50 or what was it this year? They held up their names. They didn't actually give they, them scores. Well, that was, that was the D Wade rule. So, so we're going to, we're going to say who the champion is and, and like, and, you know, cool. Go with that, you know, <laughs> no, that, or, that. Or, or something where, you know, if, so if you're going to dunk where guys who are, you know, the all-stars have to pick a side and which, which side do they want to be on and some, some kind of thing where the players, I don't know, because I mean that was one of the th- obvious. That was one of the big obvious things that was missing. You know, you've been there, you've seen it. The dunk contest, everybody kind of comes out. They're kind of huddled around guys. Obviously, COVID people didn't want to, you know, get out on the floor and start yeah. bumping chests. But you know that that kind of zeal, that whole that whole aspect was missing. Yeah, it would have been really cool had like Team LeBron, Team LeBron, or you know, um, Team KD had a representative in there. Yep. And then you award it like Harry Potter house points, right? Yeah. Like 10 points for Team LeBron yes. if X player gets to this round, or, t- or 10 points for Team KD if X player gets it here. I think we're getting somewhere. And, and, really then, and then you could just deduct points based on style. Like I would have given you 10 points, but you only got eight for that because yeah. like we yeah. weren't feeling it. Yeah. Man. Yeah. But but the but that first dunk was actually probably might have been the best dunk. Interesting. So, uh, so I, I guess let's say this. Do you think of Simons's victory as anything less than what you would traditionally see from a dunk contest? Like, would you hold that in as high regard as a traditional dunk contest winner? I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold it. Uh, it it's not quite, you know, up here. It's a, it's a rung down. And for the simple reason, the kiss the rim dunk didn't kiss the rim. I mean, you kind of like. You know, like, look, if, if we, if that's how the game worked, then it's like, well, I hit the rim, you know, I, my, my three point attempt hit the rim. So I get two points for that. No, you get zero for that. I, I don't want to be the jerk, but you, you like, you didn't kiss the rim, man. Like you got close, <laughs> but am I wrong? No, no, you, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And so the, the only other thing I, I have to say about all-star weekend, did you still like the ending without a crowd? Did you so, still appreciate it? I look, I appreciated it, but the fact that I, I think that uh, I think at one point was was Team LeBron up by twenty four. So like they they yeah. it basically you know it's like that thing where if you're a racing fan you have to like lap the guy you're in front of in order to win the, the race. That's what it felt like. So not only do we need to score twenty four, we need to score another twenty four just to, just to be in this thing. If if you're a, if you're Team KD, I don't know how to solve for that, but I felt like I felt like all throughout the game. See, I think last year, 
and you know, again, you were there, so you could, you could tell me if it feels differently. It was like, okay, we're playing, we're playing, we're playing. And then they kind of took it up a notch in the fourth. Is that, that's how I remember it. This one felt like they were more, they were elevated from the start. So it, it wasn't like that other level to go to. And yeah. then the huge lead that they had, it was kind of anticlimactic. I mean, there's no point, you know, this, but, but yeah. still, I mean, it was, it was, it was better than your average all-star game as far as competition goes. Awesome. Yeah. It's still better than any all-star game. I think across the professional sports, like it's better than major league baseballs. It's better than the pro bowl. I haven't, to, to be honest, I haven't watched a ton of NHL, so I don't know what their all-star formats. It's are better than the like. NHL. It's better. <laughs> <laughs> so there it's better than the Trust NHL, me. but, but you're right. I, I remember, and we can parlay this into our next conversation, but the last sporting event I've gone to in the last calendar year was the NBA all-star game. And I remember sitting there alongside with our chief content officer, Bruce Bernstein, we were up in the nosebleeds because they kind of had everybody in what is called, what is really the hockey press box, right? Like it's, yeah. it's the box that sits at the top of the arena that looks down on everybody where usually when you're working a basketball game, they have an overflow section in kind of like a, a stanchion area. Instead, we were very high up because of the number of media that was there, but you know, in the fourth or in the final frame, you had Kyle Lowry taking charges. You had players like really locking down defensively. And there was a sense of pride in that basketball game. And that was the thing that, you know, for the longest time has probably been lost on all-star events. You know, the baseball game had it maybe what, like the early to mid nineties when there was a competitive aspect to it. And then they tried to throw in all those funky rules, but you know, sometimes events need that. I, I think there was a lot of curiosity on if the players would take it and have as much fun with it this year without there really being much of a crowd as opposed to last year. And I thought, you know, for all the gripes that the players had and for all the gripes that their agents had about having this shortened window and this condensed all-star weekend, I thought the NBA players do what they always do. They make the best of a tough situation for themselves. Right. Yeah, no, they, they look, they came out and they balled and they, they, they did what they had to do. I mean, there were obviously some huge differences. LeBron didn't play. I don't think he played in the second half. Didn't, definitely didn't play in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, so, you know, th th there were some obvious differences. And I'm look, I'm fine with that. They, they got a game on. Everyone came in, left healthy, you know, barber aside, you know, <laughs> they, were, they were okay. But, um, but man, you, you said it, you said it just a minute ago, like, it's been a year. It's been a year since um, that, you know, and then the game at OKC, you know, Utah comes in and everything just like shuts down. It seemed like the world like literally stopped. And that's been a year. Do you remember we, we were doing this show and we were trying to figure out what steps the NBA was going to take? And we were trying to think from a content perspective, what we were going to talk about and how we were going to push this show forward. And, you know, thankfully, due to the work of a lot of our great producers, you know, they helped us find storylines each and every week mm -hmm. to cover that four month period. But there was a real concern about just when we were going to get sports back, right. And yeah. how we were going to come back. And, you know, there's still an argument to be made that we haven't done it in the best possible way. Like, like there have been hiccups along the way. There have been bumps and bruises along the way. There have been games that have been moved, that have been rescheduled, that have been reformatted. You know, baseball had a whole lockout in a shortened season, but from where we were this time last year to what we know now, and that is we're in the midst of an NBA campaign. We're in the midst of an NCAA basketball season. Think about that, Otto. The tournament was being canceled. Yeah. Conference tournaments across the country were being 
canceled, which is, you know, postpones one thing canceled is another word in the sports yep. industry, right? Like that yep. just doesn't happen. Yep. And it's, it's just amazing to me where we are today. And yes, it sucks not having fans in the building. It sucks not having full arenas, but I would take where we are today over where we were a year ago. Yeah. I mean, the, the only thing, and like, I, I, I always have to, when I'm talking with my guys at the Star Telegram, we, we're, we're always talking about how it's all relative in meaning that we're talking about sports and the conversation is about sports, but there's this other side of this whole, you know, mess, you know, uh, situation in which, you know, more than half a million people have died in the, in the U S and we, and I always tell my guys, we are not trying to say like it was a bad year because sports wasn't played. Obviously, you know, health and people's safety is like way up here and sports is way, you know, I, you know, I can't even fit in my screen. It's way, way down, way down. It's, it's but, below the screen. Is it's below the it's, screen, it's precisely. It should be. But, but, but within that context, if we're just talking about the sports element, I mean, you know, we, we are acknowledging, we always acknowledge the pain. We always acknowledge the hardship um, that, that people are suffering and going through and families are going through, you know, whether people have lost jobs or they've, you know, don't have the kind of income coming in or can't put food on the table or as much. And all what we've seen is all of those things have kind of had a, I believe, a snowball effect in terms of how they impact on sports. Maybe um, people aren't able to watch as much or play as much or do as much or concerned about, you know, have real concerns. But but again, putting all that to the gentle side, um, you know, I think if if you told people on, you know, April 1st of 2020 where we would be, I think people would be shocked that that we're, that we are kind of where we are considering that where the numbers still are. I mean, we were shutting stuff down when there was like single digits. And while the numbers are going down, they're still relatively high compared to where they were a year ago. We know a lot more, there are vaccines and various therapeutics and we're working through that. But, you know, it, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how we are as a society 10, 20, 30 years down the, down the line, looking back at this moment. Think about this, Otto. A year ago, would you ever imagine holding a newsroom virtually would you ever imagine meeting with your reporters every day in a virtual setting not yeah. being in a newsroom not having the camaraderie that comes with it or the adrenaline rush that comes with people papers flying i guess not really papers anymore maybe people hurling laptops these days <laughs> you well, know, but... I've, I've had some contentious conversations with reporters sometimes papers do go flying so um <laughs> but like i like i was one i was someone who who spent a number of years at a, at a newspaper uh in the in the metro new york area called newsday and and spent a lot of years there and, and that was the environment that you speak of newsrooms and people yelling back and forth and you know all that stuff and then i spent time at espn where all of my reporters were in the field and the field could have meant, you know, hundred miles away or 3000 miles away or around the globe. And so I've, I've kind of worked in both arenas, if, if you will. And so I, you know, it's kind of, you, you would, you adjust and you adapt. And I think that, I think that for the most part, we in the industry of, you know, and, and almost every industry has kind of done what they've had to do. Very well said, my man. Right, man. Well, look, there's there's no doubt that the COVID coronavirus is some heavy stuff. And however, we're gonna we're gonna mix it up. We're gonna do we're gonna you know transition game here. So we have a very special guest. He is who I like to call our man in the chair, our producer Scott Turkin. Welcome in, sir. 
Hey guys, thanks for having me. I, I like to try to stay behind the microphone and out of the way. A good producer is never get caught in, in a shot. So, but uh, it's nice to be with you. Well, we're, we're switching it up. So like maybe, so who, who's dropping the news about why you are on with us on the, on this day? Well, I can certainly say it, you know, uh, after, after two years with, with pure hoops, um, I've uh, made the tough decision that it's, it's time to go on to other endeavors. Um, it's been a great startup, loved working with, with everyone, with you guys, especially, um, really have loved working with Bruce Bernstein and, I, I hope we can just talk about Bruce for the next maybe four and a half hours. Cause I, I could, I could fill that time. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, always, always do. Um, I've always been looking for other projects with this project and, um, several have kind of come together, uh, you know, at the same time. And I just, I, I, I had to prioritize and make the tough decision that this will be my last show with you guys. Well, well, it's, it's a bummer for us. I'm sad about it because I remember the first conversation I had with you, Scott. It, it was on kind of a conference call set up. And, and you go, is this a show that you would be committed to? Is this a show that you would really want to do? And I was like, I, I think so. You know, I mean, I love talking hoops. I love talking ball. I want to do it. And I was like, all right, yeah. Like, this is a guy that, that I know that if I get out of line, he's going to be like, hey, man, figure it out. Get back. And, and you've done that at every step of the way. And so this is a big loss, you know, for our show, but for me as well, because I'm not going to lie, man. I love coming on these shows and hanging out with you each and every day and talking ball and talking NBA. And so it's, it's a big loss for us, but you know, I guess from your perspective, what have been some of your favorite moments of shows that we've done here on pure hoops? You know, today I was actually looking through the roster of shows and, you know, I did a lot of shows with, with Aaron, and uh, excuse me, with Adam and Noah Kozlov. And, um, you know, those guys are great to work with. And one of my favorite shows was with Mike Breen uh, before we started ah. working together on the 2.0. Mm. And just hearing the, you know, the, hearing the, the where Bang came from, I thought that was, you know, really cool to hear from him. But we've had a lot of, we've had a lot of great guests. Um, you know, one that really stands out just because sadly uh, he died tragically was Seiku Smith, who, couldn't have been a nicer guy uh, just talking off fair and totally relaxed totally uh just knew his stuff cold and you could tell whatever we threw at him he came from a really informed and um and smart place talking basketball i really enjoyed that you know rob peterson at the athletic has been a friend of the show and got us got us a bunch of great reporters from the athletic um, Bobby Marks has been on the show like five times. I mean, we've had him on a bunch and Bobby's always great. Um, Howie Schwab was a lot of fun. He was on the show a bunch. I really enjoyed last week's show with J.A. Adande and Jack McCollum. Jack McCallum, excuse me. I mean, I've been reading Jack McCallum since I was a little kid, you know, talking hoops and all the great coverage when I really lived and died with the NBA in the 80s and 90s and you know, those great Pistons teams uh, read his work forever. So a lot of, a lot of great interviews. I think my favorite parts are just the, the repartee that we have given each other. I'm going to curse Bruce. I hope you don't care. Giving each other <laughs> shit, you know, uh, uh, before and after interviews has really been a lot of fun. Um, I, I really have enjoyed just getting to know both of you guys and, uh, you know, have a lot of respect for both of you and what you bring to the table. Um, 
you know, Bruce, uh, Bruce, I don't, can you come on, Bruce? Is your, is your mic good? Bruce, get on here, man. It's only, it's only fair that Bruce comes on. You know, I, I want to just share a story about Bruce. When, when I was a 23 year old production assistant at ESPN, you, you had to go and meet with all the coordinating producers and they were, they were the executives, you know, and, and they were the people that uh, had offices um, and, you know, you could tell they kind of, you know, walked with a little bit different people. Everyone knew them and everyone talked about them. And I walked in Bruce's office and you guys know I'm a Michigan alum. And I see a picture of Bruce and Bo Schembechler and it's signed by Bo. And it says like, to a superstar producer, thanks for everything. I'm like, whoa, this guy is the real deal. I'm like, Bruce Bernstein, holy crap. Um, And, you know, throughout my tenure at ESPN, and I was there for 22 years, Bruce was always a great mentor to me. And um, when we worked together, uh, you know, whether it was on SportsCenter or NBA Tonight or sort of peripherally where I was asking him to tape things, it was always great to work with Bruce. And his um, passion and commitment to this project is second to none and he's just been an awesome teammate and I have so much respect and admiration for Bruce and to be honest I've been kind of busy the last six or eight months and I've just not wanted to leave this project because I love Bruce so much mm-hmm. so uh I, I mean I, I you guys are great too but I've known him for like 25 years so you know I, I Bruce I just want to thank you for everything I know we'll remain in contact. I hope we can have some beers in person or some wine or, you know, I'll cook you steaks on my new deck that I bought with my Bitcoin profits. I call it my Bitcoin deck, which is, uh, I'm, I'm pretty proud of. Um, but yeah, I, Bruce, thank you for everything. And guys, you know, it's really been awesome. Um, you know, I, I definitely wanted to thank a couple other people, if you could oblige me a little bit, you know, Eric Newman, who runs the project. Um, obviously, the folks who have edited our content with Ben Wolfen and Tom Phillip and Kristen Woolley, uh, Mike Lieber, who is another friend of, of mine from ESPN for many years, another mentor of mine has done great work for this project and wanted to thank him too. And S- Scott Kalka, a uh, good guy, Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, great guys are doing big things with another podcast network. Um, really enjoyed working with those guys. And, you know, I'll I'll be listening, especially when you get a good guest. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So you guys gotta you guys gotta bring the need, bring the heat. Oh, we, oh um, we yeah, and and you know, anytime uh, you want to talk shop or give me grief about Michigan or the Pistons or NBA Top Shot or cryptocurrency, you let me know. I'm I'm up for a convo. <laughs> so, uh, what's your what's your take on Blake Blake Griffin leaving Pistons? What are you? You know, Blake Griffin. Um, it's funny because there was a there was a clip that came out um, of the playoff game where Griffin was I can't remember what the injury was, but he best he shouldn't have played in in a playoff game. They were down 2-0 in a best of five series. The game was in Detroit, and Blake gutted it out. And he you know he played on about sixty percent as well as he could, and you could tell the the fans really appreciated it. And you know Blake is just a he's a really good player. But it's, you know, it's it's kind of like what happened to Melo at the end of Melo's career. It's like it, now Melo's a really good complimentary player, mm-hmm. but it kind of took him a while to get to that place. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if Blake will be a really good complimentary player for Brooklyn. I mean, that's a, those are four really, 
those are four guys who have all averaged 25 a game in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be mm-hmm. tough to see what happens there. But, you know, the Pistons, I, I lived and died with the Pistons growing up. I, I mean, I remember crying at the foot of my bed when Bird stole the ball. I think I was maybe 12, 12 years mm-hmm. old and um, 12 or 13, 87, uh, whatever. And, you know, those, the, I love those Detroit basketball. <laughs> I love those teams. I mean, I, you know, the guy I really love, and I've told you guys this before, is Tayshawn Prince. I love Tayshawn Prince, but Rip and Chauncey and Ben and, and Rashid and a- Antonio McDice. I mean, they had some great players on those teams, but the Pistons have really, it's just, they, they haven't been relevant in the last, you know, five or six years. Yeah. So I'm really hoping that, you know, unloading Blake's huge salary can maybe they can get someone big in free agency or make a trade. Um, But it's been tough because I really haven't had the care for the Pistons in in a few years. So now that Blake's gone, I mean, it's, it's, they're a tough watch, man. I mean, Uh, they're a tough watch. I was going to say everything in the state of Michigan right now is, is a tough sell, right? Like the (laughs) lions might be one of the worst NFL teams next year. The Pistons are on the downswing. At least you got Michigan basketball, right? Like we're about ready. We're almost at tourney season. (laughs) What's happening with Juwan Howard's club. They got routed the other night, man. And I feel bad saying that. But that was a tough watch well, against Illinois. Well, Eli, Eli, Eli Brooks. Oh, no, 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 no. Illinois. No, you're thinking of uh, we're going to have to uh, do a pickup. See, this is me. This is me being a producer here. <laughs> we won't do a pickup because these are, it, the, best it, uh, these are the teaching yeah, these moments. These are the best, best moments. This is when I usually bust you and tell you what you did wrong and then how to fix it. Um, so, so, no, Michigan lost to Michigan State on Sunday. That's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, they they had some they did have some tough losses um, late in the season, but they really had a terrific season, winning the Big Ten. You know, it was kind of amazing. Jawan Howard said in an interview that he had winning the Big Ten in the regular season was super special because he had never done it as a player. And you think of Jawan, hmm. you know, a guy who went in the first round and was one of the Fab Fives, All American, had a terrific career as a player. But you know what? I, I love this Michigan team. They they're really disciplined. They're great free throw shooting team, which is like they shoot like seventy nine percent from the line for a college team is really exceptional. And you know they kind of have three kind of one A players. You know Hunter Dickinson and Franz Wagner and Isaiah Livers are really really tough players. And this guy Mike Smith, who came from Columbia, he has been an awesome floor general. Um, and so, you know, it, there, I don't want to get my hopes too high. <laughs> you know, I will be di- living and dying with Michigan in the tournament. Um, you know, since they won in 1989, they have been to four final games and they've lost all four. So uh, if they can, you put it all together. Uh, I definitely think they have the team to win it all. You know, just got to Got to stay healthy. So the Brooks injury hurts. And, uh, you know, I think Wagner is really the key, a really tough uh, swing player, explosive, great range as a shooter. Of course, his brother was a, uh, a total stud at Michigan, all-time great Michigan player, Mo Wagner. So it's really cool to see that, you know, not since Cassie and Campy Russell, which Bruce would remember, um, has Michigan had brothers that have been this prominent. So it's really cool. That's, that's a really cool element. I'm sure Mo will be at the tournament. I hope, um, 
Yeah, I mean, God, go blue. I mean, uh, you know, these last <laughs> few games, the game against Ohio State, I mean, I haven't watched a ton of other great game, other big games because it's been a bit of a down year for a lot of the, the, the bigger name teams in college hoops. But that was like, that felt like a Final Four game. You know, really good teams, really competitive, like 15 lead changes. So, you know, Gonzaga is going to be really tough. Um, Baylor's really good. But uh, I think Michigan's as good a, as good a team as any. And I'm, I'm a just, total home. So. I'm just going to throw something out that might be poetic justice, and it might be revenge for 2013 when you guys knocked us out of the Sweet 16. But I want a Kansas and Michigan matchup in the Sweet 16. And, and I just, no offense. I want to beat Michigan because that KU team was really good that year. And it was yeah, frustrating that, to watch. That Trey Burke shot is one of the real, like of like a singular moment in Michigan yeah. basketball was just like one of the best, excuse me, one of the best that I can remember. Um, and I actually think the anniversary, um, I don't know why I saw it on Twitter the other day, but I was going to text it to you and just give you a little grief. Um, and I should, I should have now, now if they play, I'll probably text it to you like 10 times in a row over the leading up to the game. There are two shots that stay with me uh, and losses by Kansas. One is the Ali Farouk Manesh three in the second round of the NSA tournament and the Cole Aldridge and Sharon Collins. And then that Trey Burke three, those are the two that really stuck out to me. See, you got you guys are you guys are putting it on on a level where I, I you know, because I didn't you know, grew up on Long Island. I mean, the Johnnies, you know, Chris Mullen, Mark Jackson, those guys. You know, but but it, it it's not as deep as it is, as it is for you guys for obvious reasons. So I'm I am exci- I cannot wait until Michigan and Kansas hook up because that's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna put some Bitcoin on it, bud. You okay? And me. Well, well, how about how about this? How about some Top Shop cards? You seem to be uh, really uh, big into these. Can you, can, all right. For people who don't know, Scott is like the crypto guy of all crypto guys. Like he invests in Bitcoin and all these different cryptocurrencies, but then he's also really now into the digital space with NBA Top Shot. Can you just explain to people what that is? Because I think a lot of people see it on Twitter and they're like, what the hell is that? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you were to explain the sort of elevator pitch of, hey, yeah, there's a video that only you own. And it's on the blockchain and it's valuable. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I can find this on YouTube, but but it's this new sort of collectible called a non-fungible token. And it is all on the blockchain. So everything is uh, exposed so everyone can see it. And it also, there can't be frauds it, it, that way because there's a way you can go back and check it. And it's basically the thing that's really appealing is right now is quick money. Um, you know, if you do get a pack, you, there's 50. So I I turned around and sold, I got an all-star pack, uh, and I turned around and sold the Jalen Brown card. The pack was $14 and I sold the Jalen Brown card. I went in the lobby and they said, said, they said $179, the lowest. I'm like 179. I paid 14 for this. I'm putting it on for 178. (laughs) Right. And it sold, Aaron, it sold like nine seconds. It was ridiculous. I got like, you know, the, the alert on my, uh, you know, on my, on my Mac and, and I got like an email right away. You sold. I'm like, wow, this is great. I just made 160 bucks. We're doing nothing. Um, but I think that, you know, it is collectible, you know, collectibles, as I think a lot of people have seen it, it sort of had a resurgence in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people like Gary Vaynerchuk and, and others who are sort of 
influencers in the digital space are, are big on NFTs. Um, Jack Dorsey sold his first tweet for two and a half million dollars um, as an NFT, non-fungible token. So it's just, it, 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 it sounds crazy. I don't know if it'll last, but if I can make a few quick bucks and have some fun talking smack with some of my friends who are doing it, then, I, you know, it's fun. You know, that, that's the only deal. And, you know, it's not like the other day there was, a, there was a rare, they had this rare pack for 200 bucks. So, but if you get a rare pack for 200 bucks, you can probably sell a couple for 500 bucks, yeah. you know, it's it sort of with the ratios of the way things are going. And uh, I did not get a rare pack, but I was all in on set, take that Jalen Brown profit and put it into that rare pack to see if I could make it, make it move a little bit more. But uh, it, you know, it's a fun, it's a fun space. So is this the future of sports memorabilia? Like if you had to put all your NFTs into one basket, is this what you're doing? I mean, I have no idea. I, I think probably something with the blockchain with memorabilia is the way that it's going to be. I don't know if it will be NBA top shot. I mean, it certainly is a repeatable model for other leagues. You know, if I could buy a, you know, Barry Sanders run against the Patriots as a non-fungible token where he turned Harlan Barnett around twice, <laughs> I probably would think about buying that. You know what I mean? <laughs> if, if there were 50 of them and, and they'd be, you know, I'd probably think about it. So I think that, you know, I think other leagues will look to do this. I know that the NBA did license NBA Top Shot. So there's been like hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. And I imagine the NBA is probably taking, you know, 10% or so. Uh, I don't know that. I haven't read that, but I would imagine the licensing fee is pretty high. So it seems like a really good revenue opportunity for a lot of other leagues. So it's a totally new space. Um, and, you know, Otto, we can close whenever you guys like. I, I, I'm not the one giving time codes. Or, or time cues. I'm usually the one that says comfortable wrap, land the plane. Uh, I, I'm good whenever you guys are, but um, you know, all good. It's been, it really has been a pleasure to work with you guys and Bruce and all the rest of the folks at pure hoops. You know, like I said, I'll, I'll be watching, I'll be listening um, and wishing you guys well, you know, I, I think we did. It's fun when, when you, when you work on a project where you enjoy the people you work with, and you feel like you do good work together, it's always rewarding. So I'll miss that. You know, I'll definitely miss that part of it. Uh, and I'll miss each, giving each other shit. Like I said, uh, sorry, Bruce, another curse. I got, and, I, I uh, got, go ahead. No, no, you go, please. I, I, I was just gonna say, so I have uh, about a, uh, a few hundred uh, draft emails that were never sent. So how, how much of these non-fungible emails can I, can I get, how much can I get for those? <laughs> probably about three cents ah. and, and maybe a swift kick in the tail well i don't know the auto strong draft email non-fungible token I, i'm not i'm not sure about the viability of that well there. well here's the key it matters what was said in those drafted emails right? oh yeah like, yeah, like the yeah. content of those emails is the key like what sources yeah. rebuffed their story and what sources didn't, you know, or maybe what uh coworker was auto angry at that day and just drafted an email and never sent it. Mm. You know what? I'm going to think I'm going to have to go back in there. I think there's some good stuff, <laughs> which, which is, uh, 
You always delete those. You always delete the juicy ones. You, you type them out, then you take a breath, then you go to the bathroom or get a cup of coffee, and then you delete them. Because <laughs> you know sending them is always going to get you in trouble. So that, that's when you do it. I used, to, I used to send them to myself, to my Gmail. So from, from work email to my Gmail. Oh, that's, so, that's, so, too, that's too risky, man. Yeah, that's so, way so, too risky. So, so, so they probably exist somewhere. So I just made a little bit of work for somebody to do, but who knows? I mean, maybe some big bucks in there. But, um, <laughs> but Scott, man, it, look, it's a pleasure. I, I could tell you, you have, you have made me better, uh, made me more comfortable you know, in, in, this, in this space. And I, I am, it will be eternally grateful to you for all that you've done and uh, all the skills that you have uh, given me and opportunities you've given me. So yeah. thank you, my brother. And Scott, just thank to build you. off that, I, I can't thank you enough for the time that you spent giving me a call after each show or, you know, maybe spending 20 to 25 minutes on the phone with me going over crutch phrases, you know, uh, things that I have habits of doing, or maybe things that I have habits of saying that just don't make any sense, which there's, a lot <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, it's really been the first time in my career. I, I've had a producer that helped me along the way and wanted me to get better each and every day. And I can't thank you enough for that, man. Like it's not only fun to, to work on a project with someone who cares about what you're doing, but just cares about you as like a coworker and, you know, growing your career too. It's been great. And I appreciate everything. And on that note, yeah, man. thank you. <laughs> and on that note, that does it for this edition of catch and shoot 2.0. I want to thank the man in the chair, our producer, Scott Turkin. Thank you, sir. Uh, also, also want to thank our, our chief, the chief, the captain, uh, Bruce Bernstein, as well as our editor, Kristen Woolley. Absolutely. And if you have not seen all the work that we've been doing across the Pure Hoops brand, it's a project that Scott helped start. It's a project that he's been on since day one. We're going to miss him each and every show. He's helped grow this show into what it is and why it's so great. But if you have not checked out our content, make sure you're doing it Monday through Friday. Monday is the Mike Weiss show. Tuesday is full court with Ginny Fisher and Kara Kay. Wednesday is Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and myself. Thursdays is Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure. And as always, we round out the week with the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Otto, did I forget anything, my man? Only to tell people COVID is still with us. Vaccines are with us too, but wash hands, social distance, wear a mask. Absolutely. Absolutely. And today we are all pouring one out in honor of the one and only Scott Turkin and his last show. So that does it for us here on Catch and Shoot 2.0. We will be back next week. See you guys. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.